0: Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, again, just want you to hear from me. You've heard it from so many people on our platform. But again, we honor all of our mothers here today. We are here literally because of you. But many of us, we are here in great situations in life. We have found strength and hope and joy from all of your sacrifices and all of your love so again we just want to say thank you we honor all of the mothers here we hope already today's been a great day for all of us but again especially as we celebrate our moms um, we have lots of things out in the lobby for you back in the gym so take some time on your way out be loved on and know that you are loved here at faith church god bless you guys awesome well hey listen we are in the middle of a series we're going to actually end today entitled z gen z It's this generation, and we've gone through what the generations look like. In fact, we've, just a real quick recap, there are five of them currently alive on planet Earth. Five different generations, and again, we've gone through these, the matures, anybody born before 1946, boomers, 46 to 64, Gen X, again, that's my generation, millennials, taking a lot of heat right now, but Gen X is this generation right here. Those those people who are born, again, these, these numbers are a little rough, Some sociologists say it's between 95 past, some say 96, most say 99. So pretty much if you're 20 or younger, you are a part of Generation Z. And so you may not be Gen Z, but Gen Z is a part of who we are. In fact, they are forming and they are becoming culture around us. And so that's why it's important as a church, we take time to talk about it. Because while, again, you may not be Generation Z, there's a good chance you are connected to Generation Z. You either are raising Gen Z, you have uh, grandchildren that are Generation Z, you are an employer or you are an educator, and you're going to be dealing with Generation Z. So what we've done is we've just taken some time to talk about who they are and what they're like and to go through this series. And really, here's, here's been the goal through this whole series, and we're going to really tackle it head on today. Here's been the goal is how to have a next-gen win. And what we mean by that is Zers learning to love God with their whole life. That as a church, we think it's important to know what's going on in culture. We don't, we don't want to conform to culture, but we want to be a part of engaging culture. In order to do that effectively, we have to know who we're engaging. Everybody knows this, whether you're a person of faith, whether you're a Christian, you have to know your audience. And for us to know that Gen Z is right now, they are the largest population in the nation, 70 to 80 million strong, 2 billion around the world. They really are the mass population of the globe. And so we just have to know who we're engaging and therefore uh, adjust accordingly in order to make sure that this generation is growing up and understanding how to love God with their whole lives. See, the challenges, and some of you guys know this, who were maybe raised in church or came into church later, that it's easy to have a Sunday morning spirituality and forget about it on Friday night. And what we want as a church, what I want as your pastor, what I I think all of us in this room want for our kids, for our grandkids, is to make sure that we're engaging this culture in a way, again, for us as a church, that again, they're learning to love God with their whole lives. And so What we've done through this series is week one, if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go back and take a listen. We just talked about who Generation Z is, not who we want them to be or who we think they should be, but in reality, who they are, how they view the world they're living in, the experiences they're feeling, and uh, how they process information. And so week two, last week, we talked about how to live as Gen Z, that if you're Generation Z, there are some things and decisions you need to make and We're trying to empower you and encourage you to live different than the culture around you, that you can be the salt of the earth, that you can be the light of the world. Today, and this is what I told you last week, today we're going to talk about how to love Gen Z. So being Mother's Day, this is a great time to talk about this again. So whether for parents or grandparents, we're going to talk a little bit about parenting. And here's what I want you to know right on the front end, is we must love them wisely and love God consistently. Everybody say that we must love them wisely and love God consistently consistently. When I say love them wisely, let me just talk about this for a minute. When I talk about loving our kids wisely, loving Generation Z wisely, I mean we have to take our cue from God. In that, what I mean is that God, he loves us not just with a feeling, but with an action. God's love isn't an adjective, it's a verb, right? We know this, that God loved us so much, it's not that his heart beat for us, he gave his son for us. God loves us in his action, and we got to love our kids the same way. Now, that's nothing new. Most of us in this room, we would probably say that we're loving our kids in our actions. Here's the challenge that I want you to hear on the front end. is sometimes what you feel and what you should do come in conflict. Sometimes what's in your head and what's in your heart don't always pan out, and you have to decide in that moment as a parent that you're going to love them, come on, wisely. For example, anybody here remember times um, as a kid? I grew up in a in a in a corporal punishment setting. That's a nice way of saying we got beat. Come on, somebody. And uh, I mean, this it just is what it is. I still believe in corporal punishment when it's done appropriately to an appropriate age. If you're spanking your kid at 14, let's talk. But there's an appropriate way to do it up to an appropriate age. But. Regardless of how you choose to punish your kid, all of us remember maybe your parents saying this to you or now as you're an adult saying this to your kid, we would say things like this. This is going to hurt me way more than what? It's going to hurt you. Now, how many people, when you're a kid, you're like, it can't be true. I mean, it can't be true. You know? I mean, when you're getting beat in syllables, how many times have I told you, huh? This can't be hurting you as bad as it's hurting me. But when, when you become a parent and you have to discipline your kid, how many know it hurts you to have to spank your child? It hurts you. Right? And so I want you to know something, that you have to love them wisely. When, you're, when, you, when your feelings want you to go one way and your head wants you to go the other way, you need to follow your head. We need to parent with intelligence and intentionality. We need to love them wisely. When you discipline your kid and send them to the room for an hour, when they're begging to get out in 10 minutes and your feelings are, I feel bad for them, don't give into to your feelings. Go with your head. If you say an hour, stick with an hour. Love them wisely wisely when i say wisely i mean intentionally have a plan what is your plan to raise your kid now i know that seems silly but think about all the things in life that we have plans for we have financial plans we have retirement plans That if we put put aside this much money every week or every month or every year, the the goal is we're thinking about how we're going to retire, right? We have a plan in place. We not only have retirement plans, we have weight loss plans. That we want to eat this many calories and we need to work out this many times a week. And we have workout schedules. We have trainers and we buy supplements. And we have all these things. Not all of us, but many of us, we have workout plans or, again, retirement plans. We have vacation plans. This summer, some of you have already slated. You just don't wake up one morning and decide you're going on vacation. You plan for vacation. You plan on when you're going. You get on VRBO and you find where you're staying. You set aside money to get there. You get on and ask Facebook recommendations. Where do you eat? Think about all of the planning that goes into a one-week vacation. Here's the question. What's the plan to raise your kid? I think we should just stop and make some considerations about how we are going to raise Generation Z. So we got to love them wisely. Here's the way God's Word says it in Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says, come on, read this with me. Direct your children onto the right path. Do you all see the intentionality there? Like they're not going to find the right path on their own. They, some might accidentally stumble upon it, but More than likely, it's up to us as parents and grandparents, as educators and administrators to intentionally, to love them wisely, to direct them onto the right path. But here's the dig to this. It says, and when they're older, that means sometimes what we're doing for our kids, they won't recognize the importance of it in the moment. Sometimes your kids won't appreciate the path you're putting, on, putting them on until you're older, which means if you're only parenting for the present, you are putting your kids on the wrong path. If you only parent for the present, your kids are going to miss the path. If you're only thinking about what feels good now, what's the right thing now, and you're not parenting for the long game, if you're, if you're not thinking about how does this decision impact my child when they're a young adult, then sometimes it's going to be easy to set our kids up to be on the wrong path that's going to end in the wrong way. And so everybody say the right path. There's a right path we want our kids on. There's a right path we want our kids to walk. And again, they're not going to find it accidentally. We have to help them find it intentionally. And so for a few minutes, I want to run through these. Six mistakes to avoid that put them on the wrong path. Six mistakes to avoid. Here we go. Number one, we chance too little. We chance too little. Now, everybody here, and this is what we're going to find as I run through these. We're going to see that these are all easy to do. All of us in, our, in this room, we want our kids, man. We want to protect our kids. We want to guard our kids. We want to make sure our kids are safe. Come on, everybody. Like, we don't want our kids getting hurt. That's why we seat belt them and helmet them and put, wrap them up in bubble wrap before they leave the day because, God forbid, they get hurt. I don't know about you guys, but when I was being raised, we, we grew up uh, a lot of times as kids playing, um, playing backyard football. We didn't have no touch football or flag football. It was tackle. You get the ball, you're getting tackled. Somebody's getting hurt. Someone's getting a shoulder dislocated or a rib broke. That was just part of growing up as a kid. But I remember all the time, and I mean as a, as a young kid, 7, eight, nine, 10 years old, telling my mom, hey, we're going, you know, we're going down to, to Brent's house. It was, and they We're going down to Brent's house to play football. And, man, my mom, she was always against it. I don't want you playing football. One of you boys are going to get hurt. Three brothers in my house. One of you boys are going to get hurt. I don't want you playing tackle football. Well, sure enough, we played it enough times, and my, uh, my middle brother Dennis got a concussion, had to take him to the hospital. So I, I remember the night, you know, they were concerned way back then, you know, of him falling asleep at night and something happening. And so because of the concussion, he had to stay up all night, and he was throwing up. He was vomiting sick. That was it at backyard football for the Husky household. <laughs> If you want to play football, join a team, get a helmet, get some pads, and you can play. No more backyard. Well, that's reasonable. I understand my mom. I mean, so we lied from then on out. We were going to Brent's to play basketball, and we still play football. But I understand my mom's concern, but I want everybody to hear this. We have so protected this generation. We have done everything we can to remove monkey bars, to put helmets on their head, that we have developed this generation. It started with the millennials, and now it's bled down to Generation Z. Generation Z is the most risk-averse generation ever because we have so hovered over them to protect them. What we have told them and what we have communicated and they have learned from us is that risk is bad and I'm telling you some risk is bad but some risk is great Listen, you want to know why this generation isn't moving out of their parents' house until they're 25, 26, 27, 28 years old? Because it's risky to go get a job. It's risky to pay your own bills. It's risky to have your own house and have to repair it. I'm just telling you, if you want your kids to move out of the house at a reasonable age, then we got to start chancing and risking more, not less. We are training them to stay in a bubble and be afraid of the world. And some of the greatest opportunities, and all of us in this room who are grown up know this, some of the greatest opportunities that we will ever have have come through us taking risks, taking chances, meeting challenges, which means, again, if we're teaching them that risk is bad, they will miss some of the greatest opportunities that God has for them in their future. Again, because this is a church and this is a faith community, I want you to know something. Serving God is risky. Following Christ, it it means chance. It means walking in faith. It means not always doing the thing that that has a guaranteed outcome. We do it with the hope that God's in it. We do it with the leading of the Spirit, that we believe that God's leading us to do something that might be risky, might be chancy, but that's how we find really pleasing God with our whole life is by walking in faith. Help your kids to learn risk. Sit down with them and help them to frame risk. Let them know and help them to process what is too risky and what at times is a risk they need to take. But again, if, if we help them to avoid all risk and we teach them that risk is bad, they will end up on the wrong path. Number two, we comfort too quickly. We comfort too quickly. Now again, this this goes back, it's I think it's okay, man, any of us when we see our our kids hurting, right, we hurt. When they hurt, we hurt. And so if, if someone breaks their heart, if someone, you know, if someone bullies them at school, if they go through, you know, a bad situation, I, I understand as a parent, we want to protect them from that. We want to we pounce on somebody, right? We, we're not afraid. We're not afraid to... We, we want to engage. Come on, I'm trying to say this in nice terms. Like, I know you're in fifth grade, but I will beat you up if you touch my kid. I will go to jail for my son. Come on. Like, I, I get that. But listen to me as, as a community, as a nation, as a people, we comfort too quickly. This is a story that's happened over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. It happened again just this week, just in timing for this message. All of us heard the story, I'm sure, of the mother in New Jersey who her daughter did not make the cheerleading squad. So she went and complained to the coach. It's a sh- my, my poor daughter didn't make the cheerleading squad, and so now they've made the decision inside of this school that now there are no tryouts. Anybody who wants to be on the team, everybody makes the team. Now, I don't know that context, and maybe there's some favoritism, so I don't want to speak specifically to that. But as an example, when your kid gets hurt, and all of a sudden we're like, hey, you know, We feel like we always have to rescue them. Teacher says something to them, we got to go yell at the teacher. Something happens, the the ump throws them out, we got to go yell at the ump. I want everybody to know something that we already know is true, is that conflict in life is common. And when we rescue our kids from conflict, what we're doing is we're robbing them of the skills to manage conflict themselves. Sometimes you need to let your kid... Work through the conflict themselves. Allow them to work through the conflict on their own because that's how they will develop into strong young adults and they will find the right path. It's like the butterfly that breaks out of the chrysalis. If you cut open that chrysalis too soon and the butterfly doesn't have to fight its way out, it will not have the strength to fly if you help it get out too early. If you fight the fights for your kid, it will not have the strength to fight on its own when you're not there to fight for them. I thought I'm preaching better. Don't comfort too quickly. Don't comfort too quickly. Don't come to their rescue. I, I'm, this, is, this has been sometimes a conflict in, uh, in, in our own house. Sometimes we've battled. For example, there was uh, my, one of my daughters. I won't say which one. If any of you know my kids, you'll immediately know which one this is. <laughs> but one of, my, one of my daughters always, like, last minute out the door. And so she's scrambling to grab stuff. And one, one day in high school a few years ago... I mean, every day she's grabbing books, like paper, like, you know, the kid that's got papers being dropped as they run out the door. That's her. And, you know, she's grabbing all her items, grabbing all her stuff. She gets to school and calls my wife and says, mom, I forgot my shoes. She ran out of the door so late. She didn't put shoes on, calls my wife and says, mom, I need you to bring me some shoes because I forgot my shoes. Now there's a lesson here. She noticed who she didn't call. Does anybody want to take a guess why she didn't call me? Because I refuse to comfort too quickly. If she'd have called me, you know what I said? Go barefoot because I promise next time you'll not forget your shoes. Hey, Mom, I forgot my permission slip. Man, I need you to run my permission slip. I forgot it. And when you take off work and you run the permission, if I don't get the permission slip in a day, I'm going to have to run laps. Baby, I love you, but you need the exercise. Stop (laughs) rescuing them. Stop rescuing them. Because the the challenge is there will be a time when they face conflict because conflict in life is common and you will not be there to rescue them. And because you've been rescuing them their whole life, they will not know how to handle the conflict they're in the middle of because we comfort too quickly. Well-intentioned parents can still create poorly positioned children. You can do it. I listen, I'm telling you, I'm guilty of some of this stuff. I am. We can love our kids with the best intentions and still put them on the wrong path. So we have to ask ourselves, when we're about to make a decision, is it setting them up just for the moment or is it preparing them for the long haul? Are we putting them on the right path? Number three, come on, somebody, we celebrate too easily. <laughs> You're awesome. You're wonderful. Oh, you can sing, baby. You can be anything. Listen, can I just be real today? Kids can't be anything they want. I'm a preacher of truth. Some kids just can't sing. Some kids just can't make the basketball team. Some kids just won't make the cheerleading squad. They can make something. God created them and designed them and equipped them for something. They may not make the cheerleading squad, but they'd be killer on the math team. So instead of celebrating them in something they can't do, steer them on the right path where they will achieve the dreams and visions that God has for them. So if you're taking notes here, we should affirm our children regularly, but truthfully. Truthfully. Man, that, that's, that's so important. That's so important. Because again, I mean, we're raising this generation that they hear their whole life how wonderful they are. What happens when someone comes along and tells them they're not wonderful? Now, nobody's going to do that, but let me tell you things that do happen. A story I heard was a young girl went off to college. One of her first class, her first test, she got a C-plus back. In the middle of class, when the paper was handed out, you know what she did? She called mom on the phone. Mom, you won't believe what this professor did. The whole class, the whole auditorium is hearing this conversation. You won't believe what this professor did. I worked so hard on this paper, and I only got a C-plus. Professors watching this young girl have a conversation on the phone with her grade. You know what the young girl did? My mom wants to talk to you. Are you kidding me? What? Just just a note, we don't have the stat yet on Gen Z, but millennial generation, listen to this, millennial generation, 20% of parents of the millennial generation go on job interviews with their kids. Come on, come on, baby, you got this. When you don't get the job, come on, I'm going to put my arm around you. I'm, I'm going to go back to the cheerleading thing. If you don't make the team and mama comes and rescues you and you get on the team because mama said you should be on the team, what do you think that's going to do to the attitude of the rest? What do you think that's going to do to the work ethic? But if you get told no and you want to make the team, that young girl would have went and learned harder, worked harder, and made a way to earn her way on the team. You get better. We are rescuing this generation from God's best for their life. I just had an opportunity, some of you have seen on social media, to sit down with Craig Rochelle. Craig Rochelle is the pastor of the largest church in America. They have 27 campuses, 81,000 people attend Life Church. Every single Sunday. Great, tremendous leader. Because of the size of their church, you can imagine the size of their staff. They are regularly hiring people. So Craig Rochelle understands what it means to really be a leader, help staff the church. And he said this. He said, here's the the biggest difference between the millennial generation and Gen Z. When I was hiring millennials, he said, the number one need they had was to learn how to be good leaders. I had to intentionally instill in them leadership skills. He said, the difference with Gen Z is, he said, they do not know how to take criticism. They've been told they're wonderful the whole life. So when someone comes along and says, you need to do that better, you're not doing a good enough job. He said, I've had Gen Zers break down in my office crying just because I tried to give them help to be better in what they're doing. Because when you're told you're wonderful your whole life and someone comes along and tells you, hey, you're not so wonderful here, they don't know how to process it. Number four, we compensate too frequently. We got to learn how to start saying no. No. We give our kids everything they want. And when you give them everything and they work for nothing, what we're teaching them is that work is bad, that you don't have to work hard earn it. Here's really the dig specifically with this. and all the research that I've done, 71% of Gen Zers say that one day they want to grow up and start their own business. That's that's amazing. They're going to be they're going to be that generation that really was if you you have to go all the way back to the mature generation, kind of that industrial generation that wants to make their own path, which is beautiful. But in the same thing, the DNA that God's given them to be to to kind of pay to blaze their own path. But if they get here and they think life just comes easy, what are they going to do when they start hitting roadblocks? Mom and dad's given them everything they want. We never tell them no. They think it's going to be easy. They will hit roadblocks, and they will give up on the dreams that God's given them. Sometimes we have to just say no, or we have to learn how to connect achievement with affirmation. Don't just tell them how great they are. Here's You're great because of this. You're great because you're killing it in science class. You're great because, man, you may not be a first string, but, man, you're working so hard at practice. Man, celebrate them for that. Love them for that. Give them, let them earn their way. There's a principle the Bible tells us as believers, do not be deceived, God is not mine. Whatever a person sows, that's what they're gonna reap. Whatever you work for, that's what you're gonna get. We need to teach our kids the principle of working hard to get what they want, of sowing and of reaping. And if you give them too much too quick, they will forget the principle that God has for them. Is anybody learning anything today? All right, I'm rolling because we got quick time here. Number five, we confuse intelligence with maturity. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time here, but one of the things we talked about in week one is that Gen Zers are called screenagers, screenagers. Uh, About 80% of them spend an average of four hours a day plus looking at screens. It goes all the way up to, I I I forget the stats, I believe it's 27% spend eight-plus hours a day looking at screens. They went from one-screen generation to my generation. Millennials are a two-screen generation. Gen Z are a five-screen generation. They look at desktops, laptops, pads, phones, et cetera, and they're processing all this information. And all of us, especially if you're a grandparent, you know those kids that grab you, like, you don't even know how to turn the thing on. And they're like, give me that. And they can turn it on, turn it up, turn it off. Like, I'm, I'm pretty tech-savvy. But just, I mean, just me, the other day, I'm driving down the road, and my son's like, you did what, Dad? That's stupid. That's not how you do it. Let me show you how to do it. He's grounded. But I hated that he knew how to do something that I didn't know how to do. Like, it just bothered me. But here's, here's the mistake we make as parents. We think because they're intelligent, they're mature. Just because they can access information doesn't mean their brain can process information. So this is the best, this is one of the most important things I can tell you in dealing with this generation. I think this is really true for every generation. But especially as information is more and more easily accessible on the Internet, you have to do something, num- two things. Number one, you've got to monitor the information they're accessing. You can do it through very simple. If you have, I don't know about Android, I'm sure they have these settings, but I- iPhones, my whole family has iPhones. There are very simple settings that you can keep them going to places on the Internet, accessing different levels of music. This easy. There are lots of filters out there that you can put on the phone that you can monitor. You need to do that. You need to do that. You need to do do that. Everybody who goes to church here knows that I put it out real plain, so nobody leaves confused. When I was a kid, trying to get your hands on some pornography was a thing. I wasn't raised in church, so don't get all upset. Kids can access pornography on a phone like this. And if you don't think they want to access it, you're lying to yourself. You need to do all you can to roadblock them from accessing it easily and communicate to them lovingly why they need to avoid it. So we need to filter it, and we need to have difficult conversations. Uh, you know, this, this generation, again, uh, they've gone through the, the, the uh, Tide Pod Challenge and all these different things. And Listen, you did dumb things too. Quit, quit being mean to them. But I've seen there's a new challenge out, the hairspray challenge. I, or not the hairspray, the, uh, what is it? Deodorant. deodorant, thank you. Deodorant challenge. Basically, you just spray your arm how long you can hold it. And uh, there was just a, a girl put, posted a picture, and now it's gone viral. She got second-degree burns. Now, so on my way to school with my son, hey, I need to tell him, now listen, don't you be one of them other kids that are stupid spraying your arm with deodorant. What's wrong with you? Act like you got some sense represent the husky name get out of my car and go learn something <laughs> you can tell your kids something or you can help them discover it if you'll help them discover it they'll own it far more than you telling them so i just asked him hey are you familiar with this ch-? and i acted dumb which i just didn't know what it was but i knew then when the- what's this challenge people are spraying he knew exactly what it was what do you think about that well i don't know why people would do that that there's a girl that got burnt i was like yes So he already had this natural aversion to it. So I just took, I said, son, you're going to have lots of opportunities. People are going to challenge you. They're going to question your manhood. You're going to feel like you need to defend it. And I said, a lot of the things where you feel like you need to defend it will end up hurting yourself. So just be wise. So I'm in the middle of saying this. I don't even finish the sentence. And he said, dad, mom already talked to me yesterday. (laughs) Laugh, but you know what I thought? We got a double-headed attack, man. We are having consistent conversations with our kids. Now, listen, I'm not saying look at me, be like me. I'm trying to challenge us together to have conversations with this generation because they will not find the path. They need directed to the path. Number six, number six, and this is where I'm going to hang for just a minute. We lead by command instead of by example. One of the things I told you in week one that defines this generation is their parents are double-minded. Everything I said, if you're not a person of faith, if you're just here because someone invited you, everything I said applies to you as a parent or a grandparent. This only applies if you're a person of faith. I want to just hang here for a minute. What this generation is saying is my parents claim to have values that we do not see them live out. They say one thing and they do something else. And I want everybody to hear this when it comes to leading our children in the path of faith. We try to tell them what to do rather than teach them what to do some things are caught better than taught your actions are speaking so loudly they can't hear your words this is everything i've said for three weeks is right here the faith of the next generation either ends with us or begins with us this generation, generation Z, will lose who Christ is, will lose what salvation is, will lose what it means to be a part of this global life-changing organization that's life-giving called the church, or they will be they will pick it up and embrace it like Pastor Adam taught, they'll grab the baton, they'll be the next generation that is the light of the world, that it is bringing the hope of the gospel. It either ends with us or it begins with us. We either let it die or we pick it up and we intentionally pass it on to them. We choose. But we just can't tell them. We just can't yell it from the sidelines. We have to walk it out consistently the way that they can see it and pick it up. Listen to Judges chapter 2, verse 10. This is the generation. Some of you who are here week one. This is the generation. Or week two last week. This is the generation God sends Moses to bring the nation of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. In the middle, in the wilderness, Caleb and Joshua, two young men. Believe, God, we can do this. We can go in and take what's ours. We can take the land you're giving us. And eventually, Joshua and Caleb, they go into the land and they live for God and their whole generation loves God. That's this generation right here. And that generation died. The Caleb generation, the Joshua generation, the Gen X generation, the millennial generation, they died. And another generation grew up, Gen Z, who did not acknowledge the lord nor remember the mighty things he had done in israel did not acknowledge it means they didn't know the lord this word means in intimately or experientially now when you look at how the generation previously lived like they were living for god so to me i'm looking saying well, like why didn't they catch it because the generation before didn't connect the God, connect the dots for the next generation. Didn't make it clear. Didn't make it plain. Which means they were living their life in a way that while it might have honored God, it wasn't clear to the next generation. you got to make it plain to the next generation. you got to make it clear. I've got to make it clear why we're doing what we're doing. I want my son to understand what it means to serve God, not by just listening to what I say, but watching how I live. I'm going to get on a soapbox just for a second. Some of you are going to get mad at me, and I'm okay with it, but I want you to hear something. When we tell our kids that church is a priority as long as no family's happening, no sports are happening, no events are happening, no vacations happening, as long as nothing else going on, we'll be a church. What we're telling our kids is church is not a priority, following Christ is not a priority, and faith is not a priority. It's an add-in as long as it's convenient. We are sending the wrong message. You're saying, Pastor, you tell me you never miss church? Not much. Not much. And I have I have one of the healthiest, happiest families on the planet. My son plays sports, plays travel ball, ask his coach. They have tournaments on the regular on Sunday. If he can't attend a service and make it, which sometimes happen, he'll attend early and Sean will slide out and take him to a game. Fits in the middle of the day, sorry coach, he'll be there Friday, he'll be there Saturday, he ain't gonna make it Sunday because if he makes it through travel ball and he gets a college a collegiate scholarship and he goes on to the NBA if he beats and surpasses Michael Jordan or LeBron James as the goat but dies without Christ he lost it doesn't matter so i'm not afraid to tell him no son faith is a priority faith you got to find a way to fit everything else in around faith faith goes in the jar first faith is the big item then if something else doesn't fit it just doesn't fit but Jesus is first Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Young Timothy, who was the pastor of the largest church, he was the original mega church pastor. Pastor of the church in Ephesus. He was young. You say, how did he get there? Like, how did this young, young guy get so much responsibility and manage it well? Well, the Bible tells us. Paul talking to young Timothy says, I remember your genuine faith for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and I know the same faith that continues strong in you he's saying the faith you have man it's been passed down someone put you on a path someone was intentional the way they raised you you didn't get here accidentally someone positioned you for success one of the things I have found out being a father is it's hard it's not easy I mess up a lot There's times I yell at my kids and go in the room and think, gosh, why did I say it that way? I didn't need to be that mean. I didn't need to be that direct. I didn't need to discipline. Listen to me. I mess up as much as anybody. But I keep trying to come back and say, man, there's a path that God has for my kid. Unless Sean and I are intentional in the decisions we make, they will miss the path. And it won't be their fault because it's my job to direct them onto the path. I'll close with this thought. Because again, this all goes back to us living our life in faith. This generation is being raised to believe that there are no risks. Life is easy, everything's given to them, and it's all about them. But as people of faith, we understand this. And this is the next gen win that there are lots of risks in life, where sometimes the only reward is that you did the right thing. And we live to love others. Imagine if we could help this generation. Capture that mentality And we can with God's help Every day Making intentional decisions To put them on the right path So Father Lord we come today In the name of Jesus God this thing you've given us to do Called parenting It's hard Lord mothers that we celebrate here today Carry so much weight Fathers Carry so much influence Lord help us to steward it well Help us to have an intentional plan To put Generation Z on the right path. God, give us grace and give us wisdom and give us help to do it well. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed, said amen, amen. God bless you guys, man. Happy Mother's Day. Have a great day.